Hi guys, thanks for tuning in. I am so excited to talk to you today. And first, let me just say thank you for the amazing response to the podcast. I am new to this. This is like, has been a journey. I literally recorded two episodes and realized that the audio was not working. So it it's a lot. It's a lot to learn. I have so much to learn, but I'm so grateful to have a community of people who want to tune in and get encouraged and get ignited. And so that's really what I'm doing this for. This is why I continue to make videos and hopefully spread light to you, give you some hope, some joy and peace along your journey by just sharing my story. So hopefully today's episode will give you strength. Um, by no means do I want to share this episode and um, share this story with you and it be a reflection of anyone's professionalism or practice or downplay of their professionalism or I don't want to basically shed negative light on on anyone but I that was my main reason for not speaking about this situation because it was so sensitive to me. And also, uh, this is my first time speaking about this to the public and it's, it's a little bit, you know, emotional for me sometimes. So bear with me, but just know that this is my first time speaking about it and sharing it with everyone. Um, and I got to the point where right now I, I just feel at peace about it. I feel like it is time for me to release my story because what's the point of holding on to it when I know that I've been healed, I am blessed and it can, it can potentially help someone else get through their trials. You get through your trials. Um, so just know that I'm sharing this story to, to shed light on, uh, women, of especially black women who go through child delivery, who go through delivery and sometimes not make it out, but sometimes are left with damages um, that we have to deal with the rest of our lives. So today I'm sharing a story. Um, it's my trauma story on when I delivered my son. And it's not going to be easy for me to go through this whole story. I know it won't, but with the strength of you guys tuning in, encouraging me. I know that I can get through it and I'm just going to see where it takes me. So as you all know, I have amazing children, Layla, Amir, and Serene. And so Amir was my first child and I had him 10 years ago. And so I want to touch on that whenever I had him um, because of course, Layla's my bonus daughter. She's my baby girl. I love her so much. And he was my actual child that I birthed. So when I went in for delivery, of course, I didn't know much about having a child. This is my first child. I was excited to see. Um, and my husband and I were so eager to see our child. We really were just focused on that. We didn't know all the right questions to ask the physicians. We didn't know like what to expect. Honestly, we just went off of what older people in our lives at the time told us to expect and went with that. So throughout my pregnancy, 
it was good. Everything was lovely. Um, I cannot complain about it, but I did not know throughout that pregnancy what questions to ask when I went to the doctor. I didn't know what to look out for, and I didn't expect for my delivery to turn out the way it did because of so many um, other women that were in my life that had such success stories. I just didn't think it didn't dawn on me that anything could go wrong in delivery. So I went in with that mindset, just happy about having my son. So at the time, my husband and I were at my parents' house and we took a walk around the block. And at the time, after we made about two blocks, it was about that time. And so I felt the contractions come in. And if you know me, I cannot handle pain too much. So I was ready to go. And so my husband was like, let's go. I'm going to take you to the local hospital that we always um, hear people go to where I, you know, mentioned to my doctor at the time uh, that I wanted to go to when I had my son. And mind you, my doctor at the time did not um, have her office in my local hometown. So it was outside of our city. And so I didn't realize until after that you only have certain privileges um, when you're in other states and other cities. So I went on to the doctor and as soon as we arrived, I was taken to the back because my blood pressure was extremely high. It was at least one 50 over 200 something. And I just remember them giving me magnesium. I didn't understand those terms at the time, but I remember vividly everything on how it played out. Um, because of this, uh, delivery being so long. I was in labor for about 36 hours total. And so I do remember the entire process and how everything played out. And so once they gave me magnesium, even though, you know, you would expect me to be nervous or scared, I just was like, okay, whatever needs to be done with me, let's get it done. I'm ready to have this baby. Like I was just so eager. My husband and I wanted to see our child. So I didn't care what needed to be done to my body physically in order for me to, you know, go throughout this uh, process smoothly. So after that, I remember sleeping the night and then the next day at seven centimeters, I received my epidural and was like, okay, everything's about to go good now. I got the epidural. I hear that, you know, you're numb, you don't feel anything. So I'm thinking it's smooth sailing. Everything's all good. And then when my doctor arrives to the hospital, she came to my bedside and let me know, hey, unfortunately, you didn't come to the hospital in my um, city and I don't have certain privileges to deliver babies um, during the week and because it's a weekday I can't deliver your baby here um, so with that being said I'm going to have to have my on-call doctor to deliver this baby and I didn't know what on-call doctor was. I was just like, okay, well, um, okay, that's fine. Um, I, I really wanted her to deliver because she was someone I was used to. She knew my body. Um, she saw me throughout my pregnancy. But like I said, I was so young. I was just ready to have my son and be over with this. Um, and so she left. And then after a while, we waited for the on-call doctor to arrive. And when he came in, I just remember him being very jittery, very loud, and just not the type typical doctor vibe that I got whenever he came in. And so it did strike me, but 
like at the end of the day, I was just ready to get this over with. I was in labor so long and it was just a long process. So I was just at the end where I was just ready to be done. And so he came in, he was dressed from head to toe in all LSU gear. I'm not knocking LSU. I love him. But he was dressed um, like he came from a party maybe um, with his family or whatever or friends. But he came in super loud, super rowdy. And he was just like, all right. Let's go. It's time to deliver this baby. Let's go. But he, you know, he just had this persona about him like, let's just get this over with um, because he had things to do. And so when he came, he had, he instructed uh, two people to each leg um, for them to help me push. And I just remember my legs being pushed back past my ears for about two and a half hours long. And nothing but like nothing was working. Although I had the epidural, I didn't know that, you know, that it might have been pushed back too far. I just know that I was trying with all of my heart to push my baby out and it was nothing was budging. He wasn't coming out. And so at the end of that uh, two and a half hour period, I remember vividly the doctor taking the what I would call scissors, um, but it's an instrument, and cutting me and saying, let's just get this baby out of here, and cut me. And the moment that he cut me, I just remember my husband, me looking to the side and seeing him faint. I remember looking at the nurse that was helping assist him deliver my child. One of the nurses, just looking at the doctor with such disgust, like she knew it was like a worry in her face, but not only a worry, it was a, a disgusting look. And she looked at me and just, she just shook her head. And at that moment, all of these things are happening. And I remember just worrying about my son, like, is he okay? And so I remember the doctors coming in, several doctors checking his vitals, making sure he was good. And that was my main concern, is he okay? Because the way everyone's looking Something went wrong, but I didn't care. I just was so focused on if my son was okay. And so after that, I just remember the doctor looking at me saying, hey, you weren't supposed to have a vaginal delivery. Your cervix were too small to push this baby. Um, your next child is going to definitely have to be a C-section. And so I just like, okay. And he, you know, proceeded to do stitches and everything like that. And I just remember the nurses coming in, everyone coming in and out saying I lost too much blood. And so after that, I had to have an emergency blood transfusion and have a catheter put in and they did the transfusion. And for about three days, I just stayed in bed. But after I had my son, I did have uncontrollable shakes. Now I was told that this was normal. It's probably the epidural. Um, and that's probably what was happening, but I literally could not keep my own self sitting straight up. My body had to be propped up with pillows and I just had no strength whatsoever. And so I remember being um, moved from the room that I was in where I had the transfusion, moved to a discharge room, ready to go home. So I thought, and um, I remember 
my uncle and aunt came visit me and my uncle just kept asking questions and I I was I still don't know this day why he asked me these questions but I do know um he was like why um have have you gotten out the bed and I said no uncle I have um a catheter or whatever and he was just like well it's it's okay if you have a catheter you still can walk with a catheter did they get you out the bed your body moving and I was just like no and so him and my aunt he was like well we got to get you moving I mean and so he called the nurse to come help me get out of the bed um and my aunt and him helped me or tried to help me get out and I just remember not being able to stand not even being able to have stability whatsoever and at that moment is when everyone realized that I was not able to walk. And it threw me for a loop. It took me by surprise because I, in my mind, was ready to walk, go to the bathroom, do whatever my normal routine. Um, and so by not being mobile, it, it did strike me by surprise. And also seeing the nurses that were taking care of me at that time cry and look confused, it did kind of worry me. It was just like, what's, what's going on? Um, and so after that, at that point, I just remember several doctors, several nurses coming in just to see if I was okay, comfort me, but also they sent me, made orders for me to get an MRI of my spine. And that's the only MRI I did at this particular hospital. And so at the last, the last day that I was there, which was like the fifth day, I remember um, the lady that was in charge of the hospital at the time coming in to tell me she was so sorry. She truly apologized and she didn't mean for um, this to happen, but she did not have any answers as to why I couldn't walk. So with that being said, she literally um, told me that I was being transferred to another hospital and that I would hopefully get answers at that hospital with the technology that they had and with the specialists that were available to me. So I got transferred to that hospital. And after that, I remember seeing neurologists, um, different people coming in, trying to figure out what caused this in delivery. And I just remember holding on to faith. I had my family by my side, my church family praying for me. And I just could not stay down on myself. Like, even though these things were happening, my son was sent home with my mom so she can watch him while they figure out what was wrong with me. I was, I was sad. I was feeling discouraged, but I don't remember feeling like completely hopeless. I was just holding in on faith at that moment. And so after doing an MRI at the at this hospital of my um, brain, they still didn't find anything that was that would lead them to believe, you know, what was causing me to not walk. Um, so they released me from the hospital and just told me basically that they didn't see that I would be able to walk again um, and they didn't have answers for me. And so leaving with that discouragement, that sense of um, unknowing, it just... It made me, it did make me question a little bit, like, was God with me? But then again, I still knew he was with me, but we're human. We're going to question. And so I did ask myself, like, God, is this can't be life. Like, this just can't be the way my life is going to look, you know? And so I didn't mention, but before I left, the night before, I did remember feeling such 
a comfort, a co like someone was hugging me. And I didn't know where it came from. No one was in the room. But I do remember God speaking to me saying, I'm your comforter. I'll get you through this. And so that's what I held on to. I didn't see physically my way out, but I just held on to faith knowing that this can't be it, you know? And so I went back and forth a little like, God, this can't be it, but also this is my situation. Like, what am I going to do? And so I went to therapy. The therapist really was taken by surprise by me leaving the hospital with no answers. Um, and she literally, her along with a team of therapists came and just showed me basically that they believed that I could build up my core and eventually walk. So I did hold on to those words as well. And so after about nine months of therapy, extensive therapy, I mean, I literally had to get into a machine the first month and just let the machine walk for me so that it can strengthen my core, you know, and just doing those different things, water therapy, just so many different therapy sessions to build back up my core. I eventually moved from a wheelchair to a walker that I was able to use, but I still had no stability um, or strength to walk on my own. Um, but thankfully, I did gradually get better and regain my strength. And so with that being said, throughout the nine months of me trying to regain my physical strength, I still had pain um, in in that area where, you know, in my vaginal area. And so during that time, I was not even able to be intimate with my husband. It was very traumatic for, for me, for him. But one thing I remember telling him that I'll never forget is, babe, like, you stuck by my side, but if this is how my life is going to look, you can you can leave. Like, you don't have to stay. And I just remember him leaning over and telling me he's with me through thick and thin. He didn't marry me for that and that he knew that I would walk again. And him, along with my dad, my mom, my family, motivate me, pushing me, um, led me to to just have hope, to just hold on to what I couldn't see. And so... After about nine months, I was blessed with a doctor that I personally call my angel, and he is in Texas. And so he was a surgeon that was able to do a nerve conductor test on me, and his findings, the test came out that I basically had pudendal neuropathy. The pudendal nerve uh, is damaged on both sides, and that's what was causing my pain to be so excruciating. So then I went to the hospital right after, um, right by his office, and get my first nerve block done, which helped alleviate the pain right away. I was completely numb. I literally was able to not feel pain, and it just gave me such peace of mind, but that lasted for about three months. So for three months, for about a year and a half, I literally had to drive from Lafayette to Houston every three months to get these nerve blocks done. And eventually, my surgeon was like, hey, um, he, my specialist was like, hey, you can't keep getting these nerve blocks. Um, it's not good for you to do this the rest of your life. So let me send you to a specialist that it's going to be a surgery that you can do where it, it's called a radiofrequency ablation and it'll burn off the pain fibers. So I then went to a new surgeon 
um, who I still see this day and I'm able to go in, get the procedure done and they burn the pain fibers and it grows back after a year. Now, is this something that I desire? Um, no, but it is something that I have to do until God is finished with my healing process. And so I said all of this to say, and I know my story is probably really gruesome, but I want you to know that in that time of me going through trauma, I still was able to see a life outside of my certain of my current circumstance. And so if you're dealing with a circumstance right now, a situation and you can't see your way out, there's got to be something you can hold on to and that was what I did. I ignited my faith. I held on to knowing that Faith is unseen. I did not see it, but I still saw it. When I closed my eyes, I saw myself walking. I saw myself being happy with my family. I just saw a better future for my life, and eventually it unfolded. And so I want you to be encouraged as well. If you can't see your way out of this situation that you're in now, that you're currently facing, just know that it won't always be like this. You won't be dealing with this situation year after year. If you hold on to faith, if you pray, if you trust God, and he will see you through it. He did it for me, and I know he's not a respecter of persons. He can do it for you, too. I mean, if you look at my social media or if you just know me as a person, you know that I have so much energy. I have. I love to dance. I love to just enjoy my life. I love to allow... Um, good people in my environment and just vibe out because I know that my life should not be taken for granted. And I have the opportunity to exercise, to dance, to run, to be with my kids. So I don't take any moment lightly. I do still experience pain, physical pain. It is very excruciating, but what keeps me going is faith. Um, I just, continue to hold on to that in moments where I have to go back and have surgery to have surgery to burn off the pain fiber. I just say, you know what, this is my season where, you know, this is just a hard time of the year. This happens every year, but you won't always feel this. You, you'll, you'll get over it. And then having such a powerful husband, Hakeem, he's just so amazing. He pours into me, not only physically, but spiritually. And I mean, we're good now. Things are great. And he just gives me that reassurance that I eventually will be completely healed from this situation. And so I want to ignite your fire that's within you to know that it won't always be this way. You can make it. And so that's really why I wanted to share my story today for the first time. And it is hard. I'm probably going to cry after this. Maybe not. I don't know. But I do know that it's for a reason. It's to help someone out there. It's to help you that's watching right here feeling hopeless. Um, just know that you're going to make it. If you're still living, you're still breathing, you have an opportunity to overcome whatever setback you're facing right now. So I hope you have an amazing day. And remember, everyone has a spark that can turn into a flame if you ignite it. Don't just sit there with your gifts waiting to be manifested. Don't just sit there with your potential. Do something. You have something in you. We all do. And by me putting myself out here, um, 
basically to be scrutinized, for people to see, it should at least motivate you to keep going. It should at least give you some kind of encouragement that, hey, this girl is really putting her business out here on front street, literally. Um, So I want you guys to know I love you. I appreciate you and be looking out for more episodes to come. Have a good day.